0: and welcome to the Beyond Darkness podcast created by Nana Hanfgaard Jensen and Nadja Maggioli, a knowledge-sharing platform for artistic practice and artistic research. For more information about our work, visit bdmatterinmotion.com and for questions and comments, you can contact us at bd.matterinmotion@gmail.com. at gmail.com getting a bit ahead of ourselves maybe we should just say hello hello. (laughs)
1: looking at the microphone
0: yes hi (laughs) and this is always the most awkward thing is the beginning Mm -hmm. but should we count to three and then say hello on three (laughs)
1: that's even more awkward i think this was just fine okay so hello everyone who's listening Um, We are Nadia and
0: Nana. And as you can feel, we are extremely excited about Mm -hmm. this podcast release. We've been building up a lot of... Not tension. We haven't been building up a lot of tension, but excitement about releasing this. So sorry about being giggly.
1: Yeah, we might be um, sharing a lot of extra emotions and uh, excitement uh, today. So what will you listen to? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, Maybe just to give you a little bit of context, um, Nana and I, we are both doing uh, artistic research together, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also called Beyond Darkness. And part of the research we thought was uh, really important to share with others, but also part of what we wanted to get into was how do we actually gain this information? Like, of course, we are... Uh, doing a lot of uh, reading and we are doing um, so that would be like a theoretical research but we're also in the studio um, doing practical research mm-hmm. and then we're also meeting with people that have done similar uh, explorations than we are doing or that work with similar subjects or the same subjects and
0: mm-hmm.
1: then we just thought why should we keep this information to ourselves, right? Exa- exactly.
0: And like what Beyond Darkness is, is that it's, it's a big umbrella under like over a lot of things. So of course we have the work that we do together in the studio as a practice. We have our performance explorations. And then this part, the podcast part, which is knowledge sharing. And making sure that, that the knowledge that we gain within this research and this exploration is not only kept to ourselves, but actually available for both other artists and also people who are just interested in in yeah some of our main uh, main topics
1: yes i mean we we did think that it was important for the larger performing arts uh, field or industry um, people that are involved in um, in artistic exploration to to also have find a platform um, that shares uh, more about the process or more about questions that come along. and So what we're doing here is we're inviting guests into the space uh, with us and we're asking them to share a little bit about their own practice, who mm-hmm. they are, what, where they come from, what they're aiming for. And then ask them questions in relation to the main um, research uh, topics that we have. So these would be um, darkness, the senses, imagination, collaboration, communication.
0: Yeah, we, yeah, we're really gonna like this is the basis of what we talk from, but also the people that we invite in. Of course, they also have other interests. Mm-hmm. So we we invite them in on that premise to talk about either like darkness the senses etc but of course we're gonna spring off to talk about
1: maybe bigger topics or Mm -hmm. smaller topics yeah yes so you will it's basically what nana said is this umbrella uh, under which this will be uh, presented to you but it's also um the idea is to inspire the larger community to say that we should be more open to share our processes to each other and yeah. learn from each other and also acknowledge that there is this sharedness and there is this transferring of knowledge. Um, not avoiding um, or not, not seeming like you're the only source of knowledge, but yeah. really making sure that you are sharing the connections that you make.
0: What I personally find very scary about sharing is the is that i think that i'm a bit scared of of people stealing my ideas mm. but there's something so liberating about talking to others and being transparent of who you find your information from mm. and who you find inspiring it's been liberating to to open up a part of the it's both the practice but also the somehow the early thoughts of Mm. of the research and actually I think it helps it helps us to talk with others of course and of course it's uh, and we are never uh, like we're never alone with our ideas and they always come from somewhere
1: I mean, they're a reflection of what is happening in society or what, what you have experienced personally or just the broader um, existence of us as human beings. So it's always in relation to something. And that's also something that's super important f- in our general um, idea of Beyond Darkness is that you are always in relation to something else. You're always mm-hmm. in connection to something else or someone else. And to not, um, to not lose sight of that to really acknowledge that there is a connectivity and that's really also as in our own paths of knowledge like we if we're doing i mean Nana and I are doing research and if we just look at what that means it means that you look at something that you're interested in and then you're trying to figure out <clears throat> maybe finding answers to an issue a question etc and in order to do so is of course engaging with knowledge that is out there already and then sort of finding gaps in that knowledge or updating the knowledge and generally i think um, that goes for any type of research uh, also artistic research and then also for performances like we talked about this a lot how yeah in 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 artistic works you are not you're always standing on the shoulders of the people that Mm. came before you and uh, it's your education it's the things you see it's the workshops you do and so on and you take a blend of (laughs) the things that interested you and then make it your own so how we like we invited
0: guests in and of course these guests are people that we either find inspiring but what they all have in common is that um, they're interested in some of the same things that we are interested in and we might have seen something from them that we think relates to our research or maybe they can give us um, another site or another, um, like they can give us something new to the research mm. that we are doing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We have a little structure to, uh, to this introduction podcast.
1: Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. We thought it would be nice to mirror the way we are talking to uh, the people we invite into the space to us and, and just do, do it in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. And the first question we usually ask is uh, to introduce, uh, for the guests to introduce themselves. So mm-hmm. maybe, Nana, you can tell us a bit about who you are, where you come from, what is your artistic practice? Yes.
0: <laughs> I I told Nadja before we started this recording that I, I, gotta, I always get a little... A panic attack when I need to talk about myself and my artistic practice because I feel like I need to uh, I need to tell everything like I need to cover all, all <laughs> of me and it's such a it's such a pressure pressure so now I'm just gonna say something
1: <laughs> that's that's very good please say something yeah but I,
0: I did I did think a little bit about it and of course I like to call myself a Choreographer and collaborator, mm-hmm. and in like the last years, I put collaborator in after choreographer. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking now maybe I should strip, like, swap these two things around. Mm. So, collaborator, choreographer. <laughs> okay, but so, and I, I think they have something to do, and like they have something in common. Yeah, because I I love organizing, I like, putting things in order. and choreographing is for me it is it is taking something that's there not coming from me necessarily but something that's in the space and then you organize it in different in different different ways and then something comes out of it and if you don't like that outcome you can reorder something else and then it becomes something different Mm -hmm. and I see it a little bit in the same in collaborations (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I'm in relation to something or someone. And then in the of course there is a dialogue in that and that also has to do a lot of in my in my choreographing the, the dialogue. But and collaborating has of course been super important in my in my art history. Mm. That I I'm more and more more interested in fa- facilitating spaces for art to happen, mm-hmm. and also the same way as I see choreographing a dialogue with other people and other things, concepts, whatever, and make and organizing it. So, fac- facilitating spaces for art and movement to happen.
1: I, I love that you're using the word collaborator as a, a title, like a job title, or how to describe yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've come across that beforehand, <clears throat> at least not in this context. And I remember seeing it the first time when you when you sent an email and it said <laughs> Nana, and then it said your name, and then it said choreographer and uh, collaborator. And I was so surprised and I thought, that's such a beautiful element to add, because I remember with just... When I started my studies, which were in theatre, um, the the major topic we had in the very beginning of the studies was collaboration and mm. how theatre is a collaborative practice and you can't be on your own. Wow. And how um, there have been different ways of making theatre and there have been very... Um, Uh, authoritative ways of making theatre and there still are and I'm not putting any judgment on that in any way but still it is not a practice that can happen with one person only there's always uh, other people that you rely on and that you have to trust Mm -hmm. and for me this element of trust um, is super super nice that that comes across in this collaborator uh, word and so it's uh, it's i think it's really nice that you added this but there's yeah i, I completely agree
0: about this um, like that theater is a collaborative practice mm-hmm. but there is still this idea of the artist of being you know first an individual mm-hmm. and then being a genius but that's that's a myth that that's that's not a, yeah it's a myth <laughs> but still i think there's something in that as an artist you yourself should have a personal, artistic vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm going more and more away from that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have always been in relations when I've been working. I've always been in in uh, different kinds of constellations, a lot of duo work, just <laughs> I'm still doing now, because I really like it. And often I've been met with, it's like, yeah, but what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be in collaborations. Like, that's... Uh, maybe that can be my thing. Like, that's, I don't need a, uh, this individual, uh, stamp.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe that, there's also something in me that feels, ah, but, am I then, oh, am I then only other people? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, it's not at all about letting go of, uh, your own needs, and values, and like, not at all. mm mm-hmm. But it's like putting less pressure on that.
1: Yes, and you used the word dialogue before, and that's something I think is super important. Is this the the dialogue between whoever is with you in the same space and or or in your thoughts? I mean, you, we're constantly dialoguing mm-hmm. and and just making putting more emphasis on the dialogue. And dialogue doesn't mean to constantly hear your own voice. No, it's actually hearing other voices, listening to someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think it mirrors actually uh, very beautifully what it is that you're doing and I think I'm super glad that you're using this as a way to describe yourself
0: (laughs) should we change? yeah (laughs) (laughs) so Nadia how would you then describe either yourself or your artistic practice or just Letting the ones listening Like know a bit about you.
1: Mm. I Find this an extremely difficult question. I yeah, think right, that uh, <laughs> Yeah, for me it has to do with the fact that I like doing a lot of different things and I don't think that one thing defines me like w- There's not one thing that defines me. I feel that in my private life as much as in my professional life and um mm, the idea of a more fluid like a fluid concept of who you are as a human being totally fits also my yeah my artistic me right i navigate between someone who is really strongly interested in a topic on their own and needs to take care of that for a while on their own and then in collaboration with others and i've been really working, um, from the beginning that I started to do my dance education between solo work and Mm -hmm. um, group work, my own creations, my own choreographies and choreographies made by others. And I enjoyed both processes very much. I always feel that the interplay of both is super important for me, but I also know that if I'm only put into the one then a part of me is not fulfilled and then I yeah so for me it's it's really both that are super important so then I thought okay but I worked as a, a director as an actor as a dancer as a, an assistant to many productions um, I worked as a listener I worked as an outside eye as a dramaturg as a movement director as many many different <laughs> uh, things and they were always in relation to performances though yeah. uh, live performances um, in theater spaces uh, in site-specific spaces for uh, for the camera and I still struggle to find a sort of like title Mm -hmm. as to what it is that I'm doing. And then uh, one of the people that I interviewed um, for this podcast referred to herself as a movement artist. And I sort of thought that this is actually working really well for me as a title as well. Because it is with movement that I work. It is something artistic that I do. And it doesn't really define in what way I work with it. I can work with it on a theoretical level just as much as on a practical level. Mm. Because another thing that I do a lot in my uh, works is research. And I also feel that... I don't know, I find the term researcher really weird and I don't feel that it suits me perfectly. But it is a huge part of my work. I do research of all kinds at all times, actually. So. I haven't figured out how to add this layer Mm-mm. to it, but I feel that because you also work a lot
0: with text, like I, as at least uh, what I've been working with you is that you still like the text element is still very present with you in all both as an artistic um, form, but also in your like o- organisational work
1: it's so funny that you say that and you're totally right to say it and I remember though being the the one in my classes um in my theater classes to be always Mm anti-text because I was always anti-text based theater let's say yeah um that's that sounds now very strong and I'm really not against it but that's how I felt very strongly about it I felt it was so rigid but it's very true that even when working purely with the body and not adding text to any of my works, there was still the text layer in the process. And I am someone who has the need to also express themselves, not just with the body, but also with words. So text is definitely um, there. Mm. So thank you for reminding me (laughs) of that. Because a part of me, I think, has still not acknowledged that that's after all, really important to me because I was so much trying to be against it yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that leads very well into the next question that then I think we'll ask you it's a it's a question that we ask all of our yeah. all of our guests yeah and but maybe you can then ask me the question after <laughs> because we also have different points of view and the question is what is
1: movement? It seems like a simple question and uh, at the same time it's not. I've heard this answer now quite a few times and I feel that it is still the right answer to give is that movement is everything. Mm. Everything is in movement at all times. Um, If we just think about our cells within our body, they grow, they change, they regenerate, they die, and they are just... um, it's the same with everything that's happening inside our body and outside of our body. The air that we breathe in changes and uh, when it enters our body it changes its composition, it changes what is happening inside our bodies, it affects our senses, it affects our thoughts, it affects our movement, um, physical movement and so it is what life, what, what gives life, but it's also part of decay, death, mm-hmm. um, because movement means change, movement means anything that's not rigid. And um, so also in death, also in decay, nothing is rigid, it is decomposing and turning into something else which then becomes again something else, new life, new um, material. And in the universe, everything that we know about the universe, um, we also know that everything moves. Uh, Nothing is static in one space, in one spot. And uh, gases are emitted and transformed into other things. uh, planets are circling around and meteors are flying about mm. and actually the existence of life is you know due to m- movement and things crashing into each other and becoming yeah something very different something that no one would have thought that something that is seems like a hard rock would all of a sudden become a moving creature mm-hmm. but it's the, the yeah how life has just developed in the way we know it so it is essential Um, we cannot think of or at least I cannot think of existence of any kind without movement and then if I think about it in a more abstract way my thoughts are constantly moving The, the moment I say these words my brain is already thinking about Other words other concepts other ideas Um, so even this is like I am never the same as I was before and neither are my thoughts I might agree with thoughts that were mine from ten years ago I might disagree but they will actually never be exactly the same because I'm not the same I have new experiences I have new memories I have a new environment and i have new body cells <laughs> anyway so it's a cycling recycling upcycling circulating sharing changing of atoms and other particles and that they just compose and recompose and decompose mm. over and over again yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i can add anything
0: because you basically mentioned
1: the, the whole world <laughs> the whole world <laughs> and me but this is all like a maybe a philosophical layer but there is also maybe just movement in the performing arts yeah that's yeah,
0: yeah and there's still there's still a difference if we go into the performing mm-hmm. arts a difference between dancing and moving yeah and I also think what we do sometimes we dance and sometimes we move mm-hmm and they can they can definitely be separated Mm -hmm. and to me a dance is is something that is a bit more organized or can be um yeah it's it's difficult because of course it can also just be an expression of joy or whatever it is that you're feeling in that Mm. moment so maybe dancing is a is a has to go, go through a translation process. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, but and I I think that I can change my mind again. Whereas movement is a bit more. It's it's an open term, mm-hmm. and of course you have a like language wise mm-hmm. we use dance more and more as mm-hmm. movement. Yeah, but still there is there is a there is an organisational part in it it somehow has to be in dialogue with something either music or um yeah some something else so for example we sometimes just shut down the light and just dance mhm i would say in this moment we dance mhm cuz we uh we listen to music and i think when i do the practice that i tap into something in myself that has an education as a dancer mm-hmm. like i tap i tap into a history history of movement mm-hmm. that my body knows yeah
1: and it's and that comes out as dance and in our practice that we developed um nana and i are are doing this artistic research also called beyond darkness as i said before and in that we have developed a sensorial movement practice which is set in complete darkness um, usually in complete darkness and um, there is this element that we're using at times which is moving in your thoughts so uh, movement doesn't have to happen physically of course we can count breathing in as movement Mm -hmm. anyway but if we go back in into that area of movement and dance we're also asking um, Ourselves and people that join the practice to just sometimes not physically move uh, Or respond to the impulses but actually use their imagination to mm-hmm. do that um, There's something very beautiful about that experience which removes certain limits also from from the physical yeah, Limitations that a body has in mm-hmm. in terms of movement. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, We're gonna talk about uh, or I'm going to ask Nana about one of our biggest uh, topics in the research, or let's say the base layer yeah. of the research, um, which is darkness. And I was wondering if you can talk about how darkness influences our work in general and maybe also be a bit more specific by giving examples.
0: Yeah. So as you said, our most of our work is... Set in complete darkness, and if we talk about the two, like the two elements under the umbrella of both our practice, but also our um, uh, performative um, explorations, and maybe I can start with the performative explorations first, because mm-hmm. that's also something that we're working with at, at the moment. Is that I find that darkness is um, is a space where imagination can can have like a a free flow uh, it can really go loose and from the very beginning as a choreographer I was very interested in finding out how to um, how to choreograph organize movement that was not only, that was not for seeing Mm -hmm. like the sense of seeing because we are in a like contemporary dance or whatever you want to call it uh, often is for the eyes and there's so much else to it that I I really found uh, exciting to explore. Mm-hmm. So just to, to take out what you see was, was somehow the first step into something that then opened up and when we work in complete darkness I mean it really goes wild we we had a an exploration in like a 24 hours in complete darkness and i think that that really kick-started our our research and personally also um, made me interested in darkness and especially the the phenomena of after images we are going to talk about that in later podcasts but this this idea that you are that you, your eyes cannot let go of wanting to see yes and i think that is so uh, incredible that even though you want to give your eyes a break and let your other senses take over it's still so dominant that it's still want to see <laughs> so i started seeing all of these shapes and colors and and i have a very vivid imagination <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it it in darkness I could just let that go I, I and I started seeing a lot of things and I know it's in my imagination yeah but still it, it was like um it was like I, I know this is a so cliche but seeing the world in another way yeah and of course you're not seeing but still you're experiencing the world in another way
1: mm-hmm.
0: and especially how you uh, how, how you navigate yes so Maybe it was also uh, like the first time I really experienced, because even though you also know that I was trained a dancer and I still I think I have some basic knowledge of how to use my body um, through haptics, mm-hmm. but still, I I found out I was I was uh, I was so helpless in in navigating, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, and that's quite scary. Yeah. To be completely alone, with just your body, and not. And yes, and what you can hear, but when you can't see anything, it's like it doesn't exist. And I think that's a bit scary, because of course it exists, mm-hmm. but that means that vision is so important to how I, how I understand parts of my life.
1: Yeah,
0: and being then, I'm super afraid of losing that mm-hmm. sense. In in the performative outcomes that, that we work on. Now, we are still include uh, we still include seeing as a sense, but we use it in a more mm, I, I don't know, yeah, maybe a more active, uh, it's, it's active decisions when to use it or not. Do you disagree?
1: Um, I wouldn't disagree. I would just say that it is not putting it at the forefront. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I want to let you continue but i would i would agree but at this layer to it that it is just trying to avoid oversaturating the the, yeah. the sense of vision
0: yeah yeah we do both because also when we work with the light it can often be like extreme amounts of light yeah that then triggers um like especially triggers after images mm-hmm. um but it, it is conscious, a conscious decision of when you're seeing something mm-hmm. and when you're not seeing something and when you think you see something and when you think you don't see like it. <laughs> Yes. and this I, I find it so extremely interesting to work like to choreograph within this sphere of what you see and what you don't see
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, and choreographing thoughts again to go back mm-hmm. to movement as, as thoughts to choreograph what might happen inside yes. your head yeah. and for the practice, I mean we work in it we in a similar way but here darkness is um, again to take to to take away the sense of seeing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you go into complete darkness, you lose um, you lose judgment of, of other people and yourself yeah and to move in complete darkness knowing that you're in a room with other people that you cannot see is so liberating. Mm -hmm. That you can be as silly as possible and as... You can do whatever you want because there's no one judging you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being in the dark is that it's it's the lack of judgment.
1: Yeah.
0: And meeting people in complete darkness. I mean, we have so many... um, judgments towards how people look yeah and it is it is a it is freeing to meet other people uh, through other senses than first by uh, understanding how they look
1: yeah and that goes for people you know or don't know because it's Mm -hmm. we have been in the space with people that we at least have one once met them beforehand in daylight yeah. uh, or artificial light and have had the opportunity to see them and um, automatically obviously then form some sort of judgment um, in some way or other and then to meet these people in complete darkness again mm. that is extremely fascinating so i can actually almost reverse the judgment process that I had
0: yeah.
1: by meeting them again in a new space mm. um, and I think that has to do with the fact that I have a very different relation to myself yeah. in that space and that's why for us um, creating complete darkness uh, spaces is of such value you as I said stop judging yourself you're your movements or just your own existence rather yeah. i mean it really goes very far it really goes beyond moving uh as as the physical state but it really uh, allows your the shape of your body the edges of your body to dissolve into the space and then there is a conscious and unconscious and subconscious work like that they also blend I feel almost more than in everyday life and Mm. maybe it's because you become more aware of it or you become even less aware of it I don't know and of course other senses are much more heightened and yeah, a lot of new information therefore comes in and a lot of new perceptions are possible because you have to completely adjust to the new situation and embrace the unknown Mm. and I think that that moment where you yourself become unknown and you rediscover yourself you're also able to then embrace meeting someone else who is then unknown to you a lot of things become then clearer in a different way or you meet them in a different way and perceive the space time bodies uh, yeah just physical and non-physical things in a different way and Mm -hmm. Also, as Nana said, when your imagination takes over, it's also not knowing what you will project into the space. Because it's a space where you can mirror your thoughts, maybe much more than otherwise. You have to sort of, it is sort of introspective, you deal with elements of the psyche, In some way and you can put emphasis on that or not I mean it's not a Mm psychology session and it's not something that we claim to want to add as a layer but I feel at least that for me it is always there Mm -hmm. and I choose to use it or not and the 24-hour exploration that we did there was definitely a long period where I allowed this layer to exist Mm -hmm. and to put focus on so Yeah. Yeah, it has a lot of opportunities.
0: Um. I mean, I I just want to finish off with. Uh, I just came to think of that. I when I started moving with you, mm-hmm. that we were doing that in darkness, mm-hmm. and it was quite uh, a a fun moment to then look at you. I was so surprised, <laughs> 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 and it's not in like a. Oh, she's moving bad or not. Like not not at all in that way, but it was really not important to me what what I thought about your move moving. Yes. But I, I, I just came to think of how in such a long period I was moving with you, not knowing how that would look. That maybe also generates a certain kind of trust. Yeah. Like you need to trust the person that you are in a room a complete that room with, yeah. like you, you cannot really,
1: but again, you need to, I would say that, that you build that up, um, through mm. the experiences that you do, and there's the sharedness to it, like I was talking about the individual experience, but there is also a sharedness oh, to yeah, it, yeah. and that makes you trust someone, uh, mm, in a very different way than you would, and, yeah. or maybe even quicker, uh, than you would in other conditions, and yeah, this this um, knowing that you go through a similar experience but being much more aware of it than than otherwise creates a, a bond that um, allows yeah this trust to happen and unfold.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: so another big pillar in in our work is the senses? And maybe, Nigel, you can tell a little bit about um, why the senses are of such importance to our work.
1: Yeah, so um, they tie in, of course, to uh, (laughs) darkness, and I mentioned it beforehand, in complete darkness your senses are heightened, your other senses are heightened. Hearing, of course, I feel is the first one that becomes really obvious or at least after a while it it for me it was very obvious that when there is no music I'm aware of sounds that happen inside the walls for example of the building that otherwise I would just blend out they're just background noise to me and I'm not aware of the many many sounds the building makes because they're not important for me to know and that's why also in in our brain what happens is That we are canceling out information that is not necessary for us um, to survive um, to get through a particular situation. But then in this space, (laughs) you are putting emphasis on things that you wouldn't otherwise. And then so that was that's really important for us. How you can then how other senses are slowly not taking over but becoming more prominent Mm. and uh, something that we have talked about is the hierarchy of the senses Mm. how again vision and hearing are the two senses that actually in our Mm. society are uh, most stimulated and most relied upon Mm. and uh, Nana and I talked in the beginning very much about the sense of touch and haptics in general and how we felt that it was a sense that was less and less stimulated yeah. mm-hmm. or the fear of it becoming less and less stimulated to the extent that it might actually regress mm-hmm. but that it's actually the first sense that develops in as a fetus and and it's the sense that needs to be nurtured the most uh, after birth to have the healthiest chances of survival there have been many studies made Uh, about that, and I think there is even um, one of the guests that we invited, we talk about this quite a bit, so I'm not going to go more into it now, but so generally this layer of how the senses are heightened, just as an experience itself, is super important. But then we use this also as a source of inspiration. So how we ask ourselves, how can we move through the senses or with the senses? And again in complete darkness then that means less with vision but more with our other senses or with then our imagination but that's a another layer for later (laughs) and how we we try to and it's something we discuss when we we are doing the practice our sensorial movement practice is how uh, the senses are linked to memory and so in in some way you're also working with memory, when you're working with a, an awareness of the senses. But your the stimulations of, of the senses and the awareness of that stimulation can be such a great source of inspiration for movement material. Or for not even movement material, because that would also already go into choreographing, but a step before would just be into movement itself and, and new new forms of movement new aspects of movement new interest in movement new relationship to mu- to movement mm. and then going into the layer of forming it uh, choreographing with it but we're using both um, as Nana mentioned before and using the sensorial as a layer to choreographing or making a performance it didn't stop just at M- m- physical bodies and moving with bodies but it then became really how can you sensorially write how can t- um, soundscapes that we use in the performances be sensorially stimulating mm-hmm. or also start from the idea of the stim- of the senses and all of the senses so mm-hmm. again not just thinking of sound as something that is heard yeah. but sound as something that is felt and can trigger uh, memories and can Inspire our other senses to to be more activated and I'm not sure we have fully explored it yet And I'm sure there is no final answer to all of the questions Mm -hmm. that we're asking anyway, but uh, I think we we found some interesting um, Ways to get there
0: Yeah, and I find it still so liberating to to open up all of the senses to to just be aware And sometimes when you practice, we put focus on one sense, Mm -hmm. like to divide them, even though it's not possible to (laughs) only take in one sensorial input at a time, but to either just focus on one sense. It's like, okay, now I do all of, with all of my focus, I taste. Mm -hmm. Even though there's nothing to really taste from, but there is, there is something. Like, it's not that you're not... Getting any information, mm-hmm. and you can train. You can train how you sense, and I think that's a part of like a part of what it is that we're doing is also training ourselves to mm-hmm. be aware of sensing um, more, um, like the smaller, the smaller things, the more
1: nuanced. Yeah, you know? sensing also just generally more actively. Yeah, and maybe Nana, you wanna talk about how we use in imagination in our work yeah
0: i mean we've already talked a lot about it because <laughs> as you said it's they're all interlinked intertwined it's it's so difficult in this work to separate yeah the different what we call pillars
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but again i'll try to separate it as a performative practice mm-hmm. and a and a um, like a movement practice and in the performative practice mm, we use it in in many ways but one way is to is to constantly imagine that you are um constantly imagine (laughs) because when you work in darkness it's like a blank canvas Mm -hmm. you can portray whatever uh, whatever you want and when we work um we work especially with one dancer at the moment and what is important is that she um, constantly has um uh, has an Im- imaginary journey. Yeah, and we work a lot with creatures and uh, movement scapes and landscapes. Yeah, a lot of scapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and in there that you are, we are like that's also what's so beautiful about the imagination that you can really take it wherever.
1: Yeah, yeah. like there's
0: no limits to it. No. But we again try to organize it a little bit, and to be committed to specific landscape, landscapes or um, or creatures. That we it's it's a little bit like a meditation that you keep you try to keep an image of something, mm. and that that layer of the of the choreographic elements. Is as important as the so to say movement scores that mm-hmm. we are working with. So it's like the move, the movement that happens inside your head via the imagination scapes, and then how that translates um, through the body into movement. Mm-hmm. And that is both. Well, we also use this method in the in the practice. movement practice yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that we use. imagination (laughs) yes but it's also again like the senses that you train you can train a specific sense you can heighten it uh, and you can do that with the imagination as well
1: and I think for us it's actually a sense
0: like
1: I would add like to our basic five senses I would add the sense of imagination yeah
0: yeah and we work a lot with
1: imagining sensing yeah and Uh, I would like to add to that, that without having known about it, we used um, Carl Gustav Jung's idea of the active imagination. So what Nana explained is um, allowing imagination, but putting focus on that imagination and then letting this journey happen and then not judging it, just going with it and then using that as a layer to... Yeah. F- to move from or move with or mm. move in relation to or as a response to but to really be aware of it I mean sometimes you can feel pressure and think okay but it has to have a certain outcome mm. and that's not really what, what when we say imagination we don't have a specific outcome that we're asking for it's really allowing then you to have maybe one starting point and thinking about that and then with the imagination letting it you you dwell on it and you let it grow and you let it change and there's really no expectations as to the outcome and we had this in the studio practice actually with our our, uh, dancer Mm -hmm. uh, cecilia um when we talked about imagining the human being as not entirely different but just elements of the human Mm. being maybe being a little bit different and uh, then we allowed this of course to grow and continue and just see where we take it Mm -hmm. and one thing that um, she shared with us was that she thought it was very simple Oh, but it's not very different from the way we actually are and that felt like she, she sort of and we realized it not just with her but just generally how there was an expectation that Mm. the imagination has to take you really far away from reality but that's actually not true no but it's also it
0: it is extremely difficult to imagine something that is far far away from something that you know of course Mm. because what you experience in your uh, both uh, dreaming and um, (laughs) living it is like this is all the impressions that you get mm. so in order to imagine something that is uh, completely completely different with different rules i mean i can imagine that it's quite difficult
1: yeah it takes a lot of effort um, and yeah. because all we do is constantly blend the things we know yeah, and yeah, then we process what we what we experience yeah and we just reshape everything and then but that's also nice as a as an awareness is that, okay, my imagination can have so many different possibilities, but I don't need to add this pressure, that it needs to be extremely far away from the things that I already know. Mm. So we talked about this a lot in the
0: beginning, um, communication, and I wonder if you can tell just a little bit about... um, what role communication plays in in our work, and you can both think it as artistic work, but also maybe in the organisational work.
1: Yes, this would be this is a really big uh, element. Yeah. Um, everything is also communication in some way, right? Um, I will firstly um, go into communication in our um, sensorial movement practice. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is where for me it is uh, very important layer as well again because um of the space that we create the way we communicate has to adjust Mm -hmm. and therefore uh, changes to the way we generally communicate um so if you don't see someone you already don't know necessarily know where they're located so Mm -hmm. are you actually if you're Verbally communicating to someone are you actually going to face them Mm -hmm. you might not even know so that's already something Fun to explore like if I want to uh, talk to someone do I know where they're located probably not unless I moved Mm -hmm. Around the space and then I touched them and then I Explored the way they're facing in Mm -hmm. order to figure out if they're looking at me or away from me and That means that all these other elements that i just described now which can be very fun process are part of the communication <laughs> um, that that are nonverbal and a lot of uh, communication is actually nonverbal in our everyday lives but in darkness i feel that even more and you become more aware of that and you rely a lot on intuition but also on investigation and curiosity and i mm. think that curiosity is such a big layer to the practice um, the way it shapes communication Then, um, because if it's a non-judgmental space it means that you are curious and that curiosity allows you to communicate in a very different way, Mm -hmm. sometimes in a more playful or childlike way sometimes in a much more aware way in a more calm way, in a I mean, there are so many different approaches, but then that's like communication that happens. Uh, Yeah, like how do you agree if the other person wants to be touched, for example, Mm -hmm. if you can't Mm. see them uh, retreating or wanting to be embraced? So you have to be much more aware of micro movements uh, others uh, of, of sounds that the person makes mm. you you are more in tune or attuned to what is happening in the space yeah. and then if you have th- the agreement if you are in consent with one another then how does communication happen afterwards it's uh, I think that there are so many ways and they are very individual and Therefore, I don't want to bring up too many examples and I would go straight to the verbal communication that we're using in the practice, which we, um, we also think is super important, is how do you verbalize <laughs> movements yeah. then if they can't be seen? Yeah. And if you don't want to put form or the layer of form on them, but if you want to use the layer of sensation, mm-hmm. how do you express a movement sensation? Yeah rather than a movement form and with that we use a lot of course uh, imagination memory experience and we are exploring um different uh, movement vocabularies Mm -hmm. so i don't wanna i don't wanna use the form then how do i describe the movement and then what is the like what is the layer of importance that I then give it. Is it how it makes me feel? Is it the emotional layer that it triggers? Is it the physical sensations that it triggers? Is it uh, a memory that it triggers? So I have to make a lot of um, decisions as to how I share then, how I verbally share this with someone else. And that makes me sometimes more aware but also sometimes it's so intuitive Mm -hmm. that I'm actually removing all these questions that I just said and I'm going with my gut and then later I can observe um, through the mirroring or the the sharing and the responses with another person, what was this layer that I Mm -hmm. chose to go with uh, or to go for and if I were to verbalize it again would i put the same emphasis on the same things yeah Yeah. at least we really consider the language that we're using Mm -hmm. because
0: um, when we we cannot see each other the language that we use and how we describe it is so it's it's so important Mm -hmm. and now we also have the possibility to uh, to change some things in in the language of um maybe finding out okay if i use this word what does that mean to a specific type of body for example Mm -hmm. and yeah and and so on so we we actually also gave some new new words Mm -hmm. like we made our own little movement vocabulary
1: yeah
0: we don't use it that much but we can maybe go back to that again (laughs) at one point but um but i think it's like how we how we communicate and think of language in the dark Mm -hmm. is is important to the to how we move like to how we how we then give movement to each other yeah and we speak different languages like we are we are often a a quite international group when we work together Mm. and just that is already um uh, like a hurdle to go over (laughs) because we all have different understandings of of language and how what what we mean like thinking of something trying to communicate that through words and especially when I do it, I have to go through Danish in order to go through English and then something <laughs> comes out.
1: And that's the translation process we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like we, we use this idea of translating um, and saying that the external sensorial input that then becomes internalized is then streaming through the body the spine the nerves becomes a neurological blend in the brain for us to even know that we are experiencing it and then Mm -hmm. translating that into something shareable either movement or words or some other form and that is the very like basis of it and then adding this other layer to it and language in itself, choosing words, choosing uh, different languages, translating,
0: yeah.
1: and then translating what you hear into your own thoughts, trying to make sense of it. It's super complex if you think about what communication actually is. And so we're just allowing ourselves the time also to go through the complexities and yeah. playing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to wrap up, um, basically, all of this uh, stuff that we're talking about, which is just like... We I, should I th- have a
0: podcast where
1: it's all, just us two talking because <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to uh, <laughs> talk about. Yes, but it's it's normal that we have so much to say because it's the topics that we're so um, aware of um, and, and putting so much attention to. Yeah. And, and the research is, is in movement also. Yeah. They, but so we, we call it sort of like the Beyond Darkness organism mm. under which many things are happening, amongst other things, this podcast, this knowledge sharing um, and knowledge generating space. Yeah.
0: Which is also part of the communication.
1: Again, yeah. yes. <laughs> but um, in, inside this uh, vast organism where so many things are happening, um, what we are using are certain values um, yeah. or what connects it. Are certain values um, and I think it would be nice for us to share um, the basic or the most important values yeah that um, beyond darkness uh, entails mm-hmm.
0: the, the first value is care and I think that that we use like caring for each other is just essential especially when we work in the conditions that we work in which is darkness and also opening the door into imagination and moving and that is already um, a place that you have to have trust mm-hmm. And in order to have trust, you need to have care for each other. Um, and it is and I think just, just as a basic as a basic basic value, in order to work together, we need to care for each other
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to have an envir- an, an environment that, um, that is safe and feels uh, and feels good
1: <laughs> a good working environment that is just so essential yes and and we talked about it also and in, in, um, like in an organizational struc- structure mm-hmm. how if you are any kind of business any type of relationship that doesn't use the premise of care Uh, it feels for us very unorganic and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it doesn't make sense to us so we really use it in all of the layers of of our work and I think in care also lies curiosity towards Mm -hmm. each other and then and diversity and inclusion
0: yeah yeah just yeah curiosity towards other people Mm -hmm. and an openness to learn something more about yourself like if you if you're not open to to another person, then it's difficult to to care for another person yeah. if you don't let that person in to one extent.
1: Yeah, and openness would be another um, value, but again, they're also interlinked. But like being open um, for us has also so many meanings. For mm-hmm. example, being open to one another, being open to new thoughts being open to the unknown Mm -hmm. being open to new methods to our process open to sharing open to sharing exactly open for failure
0: yeah yeah Uh, last one (laughs) i I started talking about collaboration and collaborate and i'm finishing with uh, with that word um so final value is collaboration we talked about it in the beginning But our whole, the whole idea about the Beyond Darkness is collaboration, Mm -hmm. both because it is a collaboration between us two, Mm -hmm. but we collaborate with other artists and we are also in relation to um, artists who are working in the same field, artists who are interested, and not only artists, but people who are interested in some of the same um, interests that we work
1: with. And yeah, more. Yeah, I would just like to add how we use the idea of the rhizome in the very beginning oh, yeah. already. Yeah. Like for us, the the rhizome network <laughs> communication again. Mm-hmm. That's also communication that is happening underground. Um. We just thought that for us that is how we would like to see our um collaboration to be reflected Mm -hmm. um that there is a constant and it goes again into dialogue also something we talked about in the beginning sharing all of that we believe that this is interlinked and and care and can only happen if you share and Mm -hmm. if you connect (laughs) and if you are in you know open and if you collaborate because care is also not one way Mm-mm. that's also something that I feel is often misunderstood yeah. is that you're only caring for yeah. not caring with not caring about mm-hmm. but there are all these layers to care and care cannot happen if it is only one way Mm-mm. and that's also a big point in the collaboration like you
0: yeah. also have to care for yourself in order to collaborate yes on um an honest uh, mm-hmm. an honest collaboration,
1: yes, and as you can tell, we could continue <laughs> going on, but this was so much, and maybe just um to wrap up would be the conversations that we're going to have um or that we're sharing with you, they are sometimes um going to include very personal layers, but also professional and then sometimes a bit more philosophical like Mm -hmm. today they're they're opening up questions to something broader but then are also very specific to particular works and um, at the moment we have been um, inviting people who are working artistically yeah or have been working artistically with uh, several of these uh, elements that we talked about today But we are also very interested in people that would not necessarily call themselves artists Mm -hmm. and that are not necessarily working in an artistic way um, with these elements. We are more than happy to hear your thoughts uh, and for you to reach out. um, If you have sources of information Mm -hmm. either written or... Uh, verbal um, or yeah. Th- please, please contact
0: us. This is also an invitation to, to like a reach out for anyone who, who might be interested in going into a dialogue with us or mm-hmm. are more interested to hear about our work. We
1: are,
0: we're always willing to share.
1: Yes, and we're also really eager to learn something new. Yes. So, please uh, do reach out. We have an email address. um that you can send us a message, um, a mail to. It is bd.matterinmotion at gmail.com.
0: And we also have a website that you can go to, which is bd.matterinmotion.com, where you find more information about the research.
1: The research and then also projects that we're involved in and um, updates on um, where we're at in the world and who we might be talking to or meeting Um, so yeah we would love it if you would be in touch with us Mm -hmm. and um, we will definitely want to get in touch with you
0: yeah so thank you so much for listening and then i think it's just to say goodbye from here